This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, free agency is underway and late in the show, we get some pretty breaking news. The Minto Cup begins on Monday. We'll speak to representatives from all four teams as we look to crown a junior champion of Canada. Plus, another round of box bets and whatever else we can fit in. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots and he scores! Streaming services. My name is Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. The man on the other side of the microphone is Pat Gregoire. You can find him at Pete Greggy. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Uh, Patty, what is going on? How's Ontario? Ontario's good. Uh, we've got a little bit of BC weather going on. It's just about to start to rain here, but Ontario's good, man. Minto's just about around the corner which we'll get to MSL finals. We finally figured out who's actually in the finals. Um, and it's the two teams that we probably expected from day one, but I think that's going to be an awesome series. The founders cup is going on right now. Um, things are good and on terrible, despite the, the moniker you West coasters give us. So wait, so if you have BC weather and it's raining and here it's hot as hell and sunny and clear skies, does that mean we have Ontario weather? I guess so. I mean, Ontario weather, uh, yeah, it's, it's hot, muggy, and humid out gross. here. Gross. Right yeah. Yeah. Then that's exactly yeah. it. That's Ontario summer weather. Yeah. It's it's great golf weather if you're riding in a cart, but not if you're walking. One thousand percent. Um, do you think Tiger Woods' influence on the PJ Tour is going to have its effect like he wanted it to in this whole live thing? Now that we talk golf, I mean, the way. He walked off that plane. I know he had a little bit of a limp going, and it wasn't the best fit I've seen from Tiger, to say the <laughs> least. I don't know what, a Nissan? <laughs> a nice car. Um, but he looked like he mean business, man. And and it just goes to show you the power that Tiger has. Like, when you talk yeah. to the JTs, the Rory's of the world, like, they, they hold their friendship, their relationship, and they are influenced by Tiger quite well. So I think if Tiger steps in here and says, listen, like – you know, the money's not here right now. It's going to come trust the process. Yeah. You know, this isn't where you want to be. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that listen. 
But of course, there's going to be guys that have already defected. There's going to be more. Um, It's just, it's interesting to see. Like for me, honestly, it's, I love the drama. I love the speculation. I love, uh, I love that. And I think it's only going to make this PGA Netflix series that much more enjoyable. Oh, Oh, like what a great time to do that. it, It couldn't have come at a better time. I don't know how much they're going to actually talk about live, but I certainly know that there's going to be, some subtle jabs and uh, oh yeah, it's, it's going to be great. I can't uh, wait to Roy, see. Yeah. I, I just can't wait to see the, the part of the series when Scotty Scheffler walks blatantly uh, through the line of uh, Cam Smith. That was unreal. This league. I love uh, it. I absolutely love league. it. Um, all right. So this week on the show, uh, as Patty mentioned, the Minto cup is right around the corner. So we'll talk to four representatives from all four teams. John Lentz from the Edmonton Miners. Um, who else we got? We got Riley O'Connor from the Beaches, Sean Williams from the Whippy Warriors, and Mike Pyers from the Victoria Shamrocks. We'll hear from all four of those gentlemen a little later on as we get closer and closer to the main cup. As Patty said, the Founders Cup is underway. Nepean look like horses on Andaga just beat up on Saskatchewan again today. Um, and Coquitlam is just getting underway in their second game of the tournament. So lots of lacrosse going down in Brampton this week, tons going on next week. Um, The Canadian minor nationals are going on in Langley right now. The nephew Peter had a couple shutouts in their first two games, but then they ran into um, Ontario today. And I think my dad said they lost five, nothing maybe. Uh, Most of their goals came uh, on a five on three. So uh, some tons of great lacrosse, but uh, the big boys are getting at it as well. And like you said, Patty, we didn't expect anything other than the nations and borough, but there was some chaos getting there, but we finally got there and the nation was up earlier in game one, but the borough comes back to win game one. They take an early lead. So that looks like it's going to be a heck of a series. It was, it honestly, when, when Six Nations came out, out the gate, it's like, oh man, maybe, maybe people are right. Maybe this isn't Peter Bro's year. Maybe they, you know, they're missing too many key pieces or they had guys coming in and out of the lineup a little bit too much. There's no fluidity. And next thing you know, the Lakers that we know showed up. That defense was ridiculous. They were giving all sorts of fits to that Chiefs offense. Like it's, it, it took like, Audie Stotts putting his defender in a blender and scoring highlight real goals, getting to the middle for them to get to the middle. They just had no answer. They were suffocating and kudos to Doug Buckin because it was a tough, tough start to the game for him. He settled in and looked like a different man in between the pipes. And a lot of people, when you ask where's going to be, where's the game breaker? Well, you look at six nations, they've got two of the most, young promising goaltenders in all of lacrosse with Warren Hill and Doug Jamison. Yeah. And of course, Matt Vince is on the bench, but he hasn't played much this year and they've been pretty much riding uh, Matt, uh, Mike Poulin, who has been there, but for the most part, it's been Buckins cage. Yeah. And he stepped up last night in the second and third. And if he can play like that throughout the rest of the series, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another man cup uh, in Peterville, but this one's going to go deep. These two teams yeah. always play deep series. Would not surprise anyone if they go seven. Out west, uh, Nanaimo sweeps Coquitlam in four straight, which was a bit of a surprise to some. But when you look at those rosters 
and you look at the way that Nanaimo stepped up in that series, it's not really a surprise to me. I just thought that they overmatched Coquitlam and Devlin Shanahan had an outstanding series. That's huge if you're a Buffalo Bandits fan to know that Devlin Shanahan's getting some minutes as he seems to sort of be the heir apparent to whenever Vino hangs him up. And then Langley gets uh, past Victoria in six games. Langley won the first two, Van- uh, Victoria won the next two, and then Langley was able to close it out. But uh, that is a star-studded team when they are all there, obviously led by Frank Shiliano Net, but Dobie Church, who hasn't played since game one or maybe game three of that series. Um, and then that defense, Reese Callies is there. That is... Uh, Jarrett Toll is there. That that is a star-studded Langley team. So I'm really looking forward to that series. I think this is, and of course, obviously, me being from out east in Ontario, it shouldn't really be that surprising. But I think this is the most excited I've been for a WLA finals in a long time because it's such a blend of two different teams. Normally, we see, you know, the two teams that are the most well structured or who have the best goalies or Mm -hmm. whoever kind of hit their their peak at the right time this year you have the best team on paper against the team that's been playing the best in the Mm -hmm. last little while and you look at that timberman team and yes they've they've got some names they've got some young promising players but when you go star power against you know, star power, certainly the Thunder have the advantage. But the like the T-Men, man, they are a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of film on them. They have so many draft-eligible guys. They're young. They're fast. They are an entertaining team to watch, and they're really, really well-coached, and they are buying into that system that Tawani Joseph is bringing and that culture which I think is the most important thing. This is going to be a hell of a series, man. Yeah, I think the culture thing is the biggest part. And I wasn't sure how Tawani Joseph was going to do in his first year behind that bench. But obviously, uh, he did well enough to win coach of the year. He got his team in a tie for first place overall. He's got them now in their first ever final since coming back. Um, the, you know, they bring in guys like Devlin Shanahan. They bring in um, Adam Wiedemann. They bring. They finally find a way to bring out Miles Thompson. Yeah. Uh, match that with Zach Mans and Dale Santatis and McCumber. Like th- there is some really good talent there. It will be interesting to see how they match up with the Langley Thunder. And that series gets going on Friday. But go back to Game Six and shameless plug for one Mackenzie Jenner. I mean, sorry, Mackie Jenner. She's an adult now. Uh, yeah, a plausible <laughs> all around. Um, so Dan Marsh was supposed to be calling the game. Uh, he unfortunately couldn't make it. He was stuck in traffic. So uh, I texted our producer and I said, hey, how come no one's calling the game? And he's like, oh, Dan's stuck. And then a couple minutes later as I'm watching, I hear the, the headset ruffle and the microphone kind of turn. I'm like, oh, okay, Dan's here. Next thing you know, it's Mackenzie. And uh, she becomes the first ever female to call a WLA game. I don't know. Um how many times that's happened in all of lacrosse at the high level uh, across the entire country, but she stepped in seamlessly. I think as my brother put it, she didn't have time to be nervous. You know what I mean? She didn't have time yeah. to think about, it. she literally got up there, grabbed a couple rosters with scratches on it and just did her thing. And I thought 
just an absolutely outstanding job. She got tons of kudos from around the lacrosse world. Uh, there was a nice little story here on the news about it. And I just thought it was a, an incredible moment for someone who's just uh, really grinded over the last couple of years with everything that's been going on behind the scenes and away from the sport of lacrosse in her life. Uh, it was just an incredible moment. and so awesome to see for her. She's, you know, she is an up and coming star. Um, and I'm not just saying that because she's family to you and she's family to the lax flash. Like she like the sky's the limit when it comes mm -hmm. to, to what she wants to do. And I thought she was just a great writer and a great reporter. And turns out she's a damn good broadcaster as well. <laughs> yeah. You would have never have thought that was the first time she did play by play. Um, it, she did a tremendous job. It is such a difficult, difficult thing to do, especially when you don't have a partner with you to kind of lean on. Yeah. I thought she did outstanding. And again, uh, congratulations to her. Congratulations to the entire Jenner family, but it just goes to show you um, how excited the lacrosse community was for her, for this opportunity, mm. uh, because everyone just so many positive messages on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, yeah I mean, Hey, if there's teams that are looking for someone to do play-by-play, -play, um, she's got quite the demo reel after one game. So. <laughs> right. It was funny because, you know, even us, when we call a team for a first time or we haven't been in the booth for a while, it takes us a little while. We might stumble on a name or two or pronounce like you would have thought she had been calling those two teams all year long. I almost thought like, does she even have a roster? Cause it never even sounded like she was looking down at her roster to find a name and find a number. It was just, it was awesome. And she was beaming from ear to ear and it was so great. And that just goes to show you, you know, she does such tremendous work, you know, with the league in her current role. And that just goes to show you, she knows that those teams inside and out, she probably didn't even need a roster because yeah. of all the work that she does. Um, and it, it, again, this just goes to show for all aspiring broadcasters or all aspiring people in media. Like if there is an opportunity, you know, don't, don't say no, like yeah. just take it and always be in the right situation. Always say yes, because you know, if she would have said, no, I'm too nervous, you know, who knows what could like the game would have yeah. been, it would have gone on like nothing happened instead. Yeah. Now there's, there could be some doors opened uh, up and the worst thing that could happen. You don't do great at it. You find out you don't like play by play and you never do it again. And that's totally, totally fine. But if, if she wasn't putting in the work with the league, that opportunity never would have come. Yeah. Yeah, she she was just up in the booth doing stats and, and social media work for the Shamrocks like she always does. And Mike Walker, the producer for Roll Folk, was like, hey, you want to hop on? And she had done a couple games of color with me for the juniors. She was like, yeah, sure. And boom, unbelievable stuff. Um, finally, before we get to NLL free agency, because it has been an uh, interesting few days, over in Limerick, Ireland, Canada and USA on a collision course. For the finals, uh, Canada, I believe, will play the Haudenosaunee and USA will most likely play Australia in the semifinals. Uh, but that has been a, a very well-received tournament, but it really does look like a tale of two teams. The Again, it, like two teams that we expected to be mm -hmm. there, but it doesn't make it any less special like anytime Canada and U.S. meet on the national stage whether it's the men's the women's sixes under 21 heck Brogdon Cup whatever it is like it yeah. is always always special when it, when it's these two teams and man like 
uh, it just goes to show you how much young talent there is across this country. Like I've really enjoyed watching, um, either of these guys, obviously I know the Adam Patras, I know the Brock Haley's of the world, the Owen Hilts of the world, but now getting to see some of these guys from out West and in Alberta and seeing them up close and personal on this team. Um, you know, I know we know the future's bright, but man, like there's some good player. I think Thomas Kwiatkowski, like that, get used to hearing his name. He's going to probably, you're going to hear it first at the draft, but what a beast that kid is. Uh, I thought it was, so it looks like, Quarterfinal one, Australia, Japan. Australia beat Japan 8-6. Canada beats Ireland 17-7. Haudenosaunee beats England 7-5 in what was a very interesting game. We'll touch on it real quickly. And then USA beat Puerto Rico 21-3. Apparently in that Haudenosaunee-England game, uh, the English team called a couple stick checks late in that game to try to get back in it. And where do you stand on the illegal equipment stick check calls? So here's the thing. Um, I'm not one to do it. Uh, I just, you know, for me, it's just not, I, I, I just, I wouldn't do it. But with that being said, I'm also not one who is going to get super heated about it. And really, you know, it is, it's a rule and I get it, but that's just not what I would do. But I'm also not going to be absolutely furious about it. I mean, it is, if you're going to do it, might as well do it at this point. If you're doing it in halfway through the season and right, like what does that really have to do? Yeah. If this is all that you have left, if you have, this is the last bullet in the holster, by all means go for it. It's just not something that I would do, but I'm not going to get absolutely fired up over it uh, by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Time and a place, you know, you're yeah. not doing it when you're up probably not doing it early season. You're probably saving it for a moment like this. Um, but yeah, just interesting scenes from all accounts over there uh, in Limerick. So semifinal one, Canada, Australia goes tomorrow. Uh, and then semifinal two, uh, Haudenosaunee, USA. Again, both those games. Uh, oh, actually, yeah, Thursday. So that's today. No, tomorrow. Yeah, so tomorrow. Um, so that is the update on the U21s. Now, back to the good, juicy stuff. NL Transaction Wire has been very busy. And over the last couple of days, we have seen some biggish names on the move. Maybe not the names we all thought were going to move. We're still waiting on Dixon and Corbeil and Rubish and Crowley. But out of Ryan Banesh going back to Halifax, Joey Rez going to Philadelphia, or Corey Small going to Toronto. Which is the bigger surprise? I'd have to say the biggest surprise would be Small going to Toronto. Um, That, for me, was a big shocker. But that is exactly what Toronto's offense has been missing. Yes, Mm -hmm. they had an unbelievable season last year. Coming out party for, for Dan Craig. Coming out party for Zach Nance, Green Reinhold, always a, a steady, solid piece there. But they were missing that sharpshooter. They were missing their Adam Jones, who they had for, yeah. for many years before. Sure, again, Craig, Mans, they can still get that done, but they're not the spot-up shooters. Yes, they can shoot from the outside, but they're more dynamic when they're on the run. They, they play great without the ball. Um, now that you have that outside threat, whether it be on the power play, five-on-five, with a guy like small and a guy that can be a playmaker as well. Yeah. You just, 
now the rights and the left are more balanced because we all know teams, a lot of teams were saying, if we can just contain the lefties, we're okay if Zach Manns goes off or Dan Craig goes off. And it did happen. It happened quite a bit, but teams were okay. If Schreiber's not putting up 10 on us and we can hold them to four or three points, we're going to be okay with that. Now it's like you can't focus on just the righties when the Toronto Rock rolls to town. You have to keep an eye on the lefties. So it makes them more dynamic. Um, and I think it's I think it's a great – I think all three moves, actually, of those names, massive, massive deals, uh, certainly, when it comes to Joe Rez. Because I, I, I don't know why more people – weren't expecting him or had his name in the fold. Maybe they just assumed he was going to go back to Albany. Maybe that's why, Mm -hmm. but like, this is an MVP candidate. This is a guy that has scored the like most points uh, in a single season by an American and done it twice over a hundred points. Like he is a game changer and he's going to a team in Philly that needed that game changer. They needed a different look and he's going to bring that. It's funny because we were talking with Reed Reinhold last week about the CBA and, and how some of these changes were going to affect free agency. And maybe that's why free agency was being pushed because they wanted to make sure all the language was going to be right moving forward. And so within those changes, when we talked to Reed, he did say that they changed the UFA age and which in turn affects franchising and the Albany firewolves had offered the franchise tag to Joey Rez and we never saw him accept it. We never saw him reject it. But then once the CBA gets changed and ratified and signed, now he's able to reject that tag, which opens him up to go to Philadelphia. So a bit of a tough spot for the Albany Firewolves to lose an MVP, a two-time hundred point guy to the fact that now the CBA has changed. So uh, a bit of a tough spot if you're the Firewolves and now that's a team that, I don't know, maybe people aren't as excited about anymore. It's tough. Like losing a guy like Joe Rez certainly is heartbreaking, but then you also lose Ryan Banesh, who was mm-hmm. like a spark plug. Like their yeah. season was ready to absolutely implode. They go out and pick him, and and funny using the, the term spark plug for, for Ryan Banesh, but <laughs> – it, it, he was for that offense. He rejuvenated yeah, yeah. that offense. He, if you talk to Joe Rez, and I, I, I think we have both had conversations with him this year when he talked about his successes, a big reason why he felt he took his game to the next level was bringing in a guy like Banesh, uh, him mm-hmm. feeding the ball from the other side. Um, and, you know, now you lose those two guys and like, where do you go from here? Like, of course, you still have some good pieces. Of course, you still have that great defense and and Jamison and Nett, who, you know, is going to be good for a long time. But you're losing a lot of firepower. You lost Callum Crawford the year before, the season played before, to, to, to New York. Mm-hmm. Are you starting to question, are you able to keep superstars, you know, in this market and now you go to Albany? I, I don't know. I don't know if they're worried about that. I know there's no panic right now with that organization with the belief that, you know, Glenn Clark and his staff have, but certainly you got to be wondering, okay, where's, where's all these points coming from now? Yeah. Because you got a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of goals to fill now with, with those two guys leaving. And when you think about that wings offense, now we talked about how strong 
the rock is you know now that they add a guy like joey rez that bolsters their group yes they lose Corey small but they get joey rez to strengthen that right side but as soon as i see joe rez going to philadelphia alarm bells immediately go off in my head because that almost ensures to me that there's no way they can keep Kevin Crowley as well. hundred percent. And that's exactly the, the same thoughts that you had in your head probably were the same thoughts that I had because, and again, both guys, tremendous players, they probably would be awesome to watch together in the same offense, but I don't know if you can have those two similar, you know, those two, two mm-hmm. players in the same offense. They both like the ball in their stick. Uh, they yeah. both are catch and release guys. They are sure they can create offense, you know, off the dodge running down the alley, whatever it may be. But, and then again, of course, yeah, that, you know, there's some, some nuances in luxury tax that allow teams probably to flex, flex their financial muscle a little bit more, but can they afford to have, that much salary tied up in two righties. I don't know if they can. I really don't. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what Paul day does because that, that, like I said, alarm bells. And that kind of means that there's gotta be something going on. So small to Toronto, Joey Rez to Philadelphia, Ryan Banesh to Halifax, Dane Doby re-signs in San Diego. So that's a big get for them. They have been linked to a guy like Curtis Dixon, and there are rumblings that they've been linked to a guy like Kevin Crowley. So maybe as much as we thought last year, they were going all in for Brody Merrill to get him one more or get him that elusive title. Well, maybe it's this year that they're truly going all in. And if they really are, and they're going to go out and get one or both of those guys, that is a huge boost to that group um, as a whole. But again, can you afford, and we all know that Mr. Sai can afford, but as a franchise, can you afford to have that much money tied up between a few guys? And Toby's going to be getting a lot of money. You know, Berg's getting a lot. You know, Brody's getting a lot. Now you're going to maybe add Curtis and or Crowley. That's a lot of money to be soaking, to go over the luxury tax just to try and win a championship. But, you know, I'm never going to question the motives of Pat Merrill and, and what they're trying to do, but we'll obviously see how the chips fall. But those are just some of the rumblings that are out there linked with that San Diego Seals team who really are trying to make a push. So uh, over the past couple of days uh, on the transaction wire, NLL.com slash news slash transactions, uh, the Warriors signed Codron, Stalt, Lowen, and Mitski. The rush signed Mallory, Boudreau, and Barnabal. And Boudreau and Barnabal are their two young draft prizes from a couple years ago. And they are sort of the future of that back end. As mentioned, we don't know what's happening with Rubish. We don't know what's happening with Corbeil. They're being linked to pretty much any team that's out there. And if they lose one or both those guys, having Boudreau and Barnabal locked up um, is a nice softener for that blow. Uh, the Seals signed Tyler Sevier and Jacob Dow. They also signed the milkman, Connor Farrell, to a one-year deal. And I kind of think he has the pedigree to adapt to the indoor game. He may kind of take some time like a Trevor Pat Baptiste did. But Baptiste is getting better on the back end playing defensively. And I think Connor Farrell has the ability to do that. He's obviously – there's – 
two things that go into here that I think one it's okay. Face off, certainly something that San Diego struggled with immensely. And yeah, I know it's not the face off is not as important as it is in the field game, but we're seeing more teams now start to dedicate mm -hmm. a, a roster spot to a face off specialist. Yes. You know, the Jake Withers of the worlds who can actually, you know, play a, not just play a regular shift, but also can yeah. be, uh, a, a top defender that you're using in all all situations that doesn't come very often mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. td erland let's be honest like he did not play a ton of defensive shifts when it nope. came to playing with the rock he's basically taking face-offs and playing d if they lose uh, and then sprinkling in when they need it so the quote-unquote fogo does not exist in the game right now but we're starting to see that face-off specialist slash defender come. Mm -hmm. So if you have a strong enough system where you can put him in situations to be successful until he can figure it out, you can use a roster yeah. spot on a guy like that. And yeah, you, and I think you nailed, yeah, you nailed it on the head. Is I think they can be patient with them because it's not going to come right away. No, yeah, and I think you know if if you can conversely. Yes, you want to have a system where you can plug and play him in if he needs to get stuck back on defense. You know, you can kind of shuffle him through the five guys. But if you can also afford to kind of play a man down and you're only sending nine straight D guys over and over again, because you know Brody Merrill is going to play a ton of minutes, right? You know Cam Holdings is going to play a ton of minutes. Those guys could easily play every shift defensively. So if you have to hide a Connor Farrell on the bench just because – he, you know, I'm not saying he is, but if he's sort of a liability on defense, you can hide him on the bench. So interesting to see how that works out. Obviously, he still has to make team and all that stuff, but um, that was a, a good signing for the San Diego Seals. Uh, the Riptide, Damon Edwards, Leo Sturos, Goa Abrams, Jay Thormer all get uh, one- and two-year deals, but it's Connor Kiernan getting a five-year deal for the Riptide. Um, all those jersey swaps and beers exchanged with Jim Veltman obviously paid off. <laughs> that that's a you know you got to be really happy for him. He's a guy that's put a lot of work in, and 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 last year was a coming out party, and mm -hmm. you know that's just a vote of confidence in his game, and they know it's not a just a, a lucky year. Uh, this is a kid that is going to be putting the ball in the net for a long time, and I'm sure he's going to be putting the ball in the net quite frequently when he's playing with number 51 uh, alongside him as well. And he's been having a great summer. Oh, well, mm -hmm. it's done now with Brooklyn, but you know, he had a great year um, and, and I don't think it's a fluke. I think this is, this is a kid that is ready to stay in this league for a long time. Uh, Aaron Bolt sends a one-year deal with the Halifax Thunderbirds to back up Warren Hill. Uh, Colorado Mammoth signed Nate Fistine for two more years to back up. Dylan Ward, or maybe be the third string, depending on what they do with Albert Carlson. Uh, but they also signed Logan Wisnowskis, um, which comes a bit of a surprise. Uh, the Maryland grad, uh, one of the best young field players in the game today. Uh, not a lot of box experience, if any at all, but the Colorado Mammoth have taken a liking over the past few years of trying some American guys out. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. Uh, the Thunderbirds lose Brandon Robinson, who will go play with his brother Justin in Buffalo. The Albany Firewolves will sign their captain, Brett Manny, to a one-year deal. And Justin Getty, the prize street free agent goaltender, lands two years in Albany. And I've seen Justin a few times here in Victoria at the golf course and at some lacrosse games. And he's had this deal done for a while, and he's been very excited about it. And, you know, the, the presence of Glenn Clark 
coaching that Nanaimo junior team and being side by side with Justin Getty all summer long made that a very natural fit. He's going to move out there. He's going to learn a lot from Dougie. I could definitely see him being the backup there. So uh, that's a great signing for the young Victoria product. Uh, we talked Corey Small, the rush signed Jared Smith, who's another young defender out of Nanaimo. We talked Dean Doby, the wings re-up Isaiah Davis Allen for a two-year deal. I love that signing. Big IDA fan. Uh, the Desert Dogs on, signed John Phillips, who was a first-team all-star out west here in the WLA. The Swarm signed Mike Manley to a two-year deal. Uh, the Mammoth, Noah Labar, Keegan Kahn, Brett Draper, Jake Foster all get one-year deal. But C-Rob, Connor Robinson, a three-year deal. Um, another guy who had a coming-out season and getting reassured that he's going to be where he is for a long time with a three-year deal in Colorado. And he's just continued to have a sensational summer ball season with the Langley Thunder. He was, you know, and maybe it's just because I saw a lot of mammoth in that finals, but I mean, you know, just intently watching the playoffs just, but even before that, just as the season progressed with that mammoth team, he became one of my favorite players to watch just with, like he was a great character too with the tusk up after um, mm-hmm. and just a great story. The fact that, yeah. you know, the great franchise that is Saskatchewan gave up on him. Uh, he goes, goes to Colorado, you know, puts up a 50 burger and the guy just puts the ball in it. He's got mm-hmm. a great shot. It's deceptive. He's got different releases. Uh, you know, it's coming teams know it's coming, but he still puts the ball in the back of the net and, that's a hard thing to find in this league. So if you can secure consistent goal scoring, you're going to take it any time, any day of the week. So uh, good for him for getting that back. Calgary signs Kieran McKay to a one-year deal. The Bandits signed Dalton Sulver to a three-year deal. The Texas product, who had a pretty good summer up in Canada mm-hmm. in the MSL, uh, getting rewarded for his hearts. Carter McKenzie gets a two-year deal, and Devin Shanahan a one-year deal all with the bandits and the firewolf sign Brent Mitchell and Mike Byrne to deals. But the big news is they lo- lose Joe Rezateritz in free agency to the Philadelphia wing. So again, NLL.com slash news slash transactions is where you can go to keep up to date. Also follow the lacrosse flash socials as we tend to get the news out as soon as we hear. So great spot to stay up to date on everything in the NLL. But the big focus coming up over the next two weeks is the Minto Cup. Being played in Brampton, they aren't hosting, but Ontario does have two teams in it. The Toronto Beaches, the Whitby Warriors. From the RML, it is the Edmonton Miners, and from the BCJ, it is the Victoria Shamrocks. Riley O'Connor, Sean Williams, John Lentz, and Mike Pyers will all be behind the bench for this entire tournament. And we'll hear their thoughts right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. To start us off, it is the head coach of the Toronto Beaches, Riley O'Connor, also coach over at the Hill. O'Cons, how are you, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, Teddy. Yeah, no worries. Uh, you obviously very familiar with Pat being a Beaches and Ironhead and all the conversations you guys have. But are there any secrets to your team that Pat maybe doesn't know about? <laughs> um patty patty's watched us a lot obviously we were we got a pretty uh we got an awesome relationship i do tend to keep things close to the vest and i like to keep a couple of tricks up my sleeve but if anyone knows them it'd be patty <laughs> <laughs> so well let's talk about this this beat this club um 
maybe a bit of a surprise to some people that you guys are the team that's going along with Whitby. How successful was this year for you guys as an organization overall? I think it was uh, an extreme success. You know, I think um, we do have, you know, uh, unfinished business, you know, to finish the job. The goal is the Minnow Cup, right? And I think that's really been our philosophy, right, as, as an organization is just expecting to win, you know, raising the standard um, and, and holding guys accountable that way. So, um, to be honest, like, it, it's it's expected that we were that we're to be here. I mean, it's it's it was a lot of hard work and a grind and played some amazing teams. Um, but that that's the expectation, the standard that that we've brought to the team and, and uh, the teams, you know, worked and, and earned this right. Uh, you look at the roster and obviously there's there's a heavy influence of local Toronto beaches guys. But when you look down the roster, you have guys from Quebec, from St. Catharines, uh, all over Ontario. Um, you know, how how important is it for your staff, your management group uh, when it comes to, you know, knowing that, yeah, the Toronto beaches minor is an up and or starting to get back to where it once was. Uh, but how important was scouting for you guys to ultimately build this team? I mean, it was, it was everything. Um, you win with players. Uh, that's anyway, everyone knows that I think. Right. So we spent a lot of time and energy in acquiring, drafting, signing, right. Those players, kids that we feel have strong character, um, high competes, um, right. And guys that are willing to do what it takes. So, um, yes, we're still, we're, we're really starting young and trying to grow, um, the minor program in Toronto. Um, but in the time being, we're kind of scrapping and clawing, um, any way to improve our team via trade signings, etc. Willem Firth has been a standout for you guys, and he's one of those guys that's kind of Patty's talking about that may not be a, a Toronto-grown player, but a guy that's really fit nicely into your organization. How impressed with he, him have you been being a guy that is, what, a, a true first-year junior? Yeah, he's um, he's a pretty special kid. Um you know, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, and I think everyone knows the talent, the gore, the goal scoring ability, the vision. Um, but for me, it's just the full package in terms of competitor, leader at a young age. Um, you know, not afraid to get to the middle of the floor, not afraid to set picks, not afraid to sprint hard off the floor. Um, he's a guy that, I, in my like. You know, some guys, they just get it, you know, and, and he's a kid that the sky is truly the limit for him because he is so well-rounded. He's humble. Um, he's a student of the game. He's a worker. I, I, I can't wait to see kind of what is to come with him. A guy that certainly took his game to the next level in the postseason was David Anderson, 38 points in, in 10 games. And it doesn't really show when you log on and check his stats because the goals uh, and the athleticism and the way he puts the ball in the net is, is certainly jaw dropping. But in the regular season, it was a little bit of an up and down season for him. What did you see from him in the postseason to allow him to, to be become that player that you guys actually expected him to be? 
Yeah, I think it, it all comes down, you know, it's playoffs, it's it's winning time. It's it's hard to score goals. It's, um, you know, men from the boys, right? And I think he just, you know, really stepped up and, and owned it and was confident and aggressive. When he wants to go to the goal, he, he's going to get to the goal. Um, I thought he carried us, right, it, throughout the playoffs and, you know, just so... Um, so happy to see the way he's, you know, taken again, probably another step in his leadership as well um, to really, you know, emerge as a strong leader for us. But um, Dave is, he's got a bright future as well because, you know, he's just a goal scorer. He's going to find ways inside out to, to score the ball. When you look at your club as, as an overall system, are you guys peaking at the right time? I think so. I like to think so. You know, I think um, one key thing, you know, I, I think the OLA Junior A here is is so competitive, especially this year. You guys have talked about it. You've seen it. It was anyone could win. Like we played Peterborough in the first round and man, they were really good. They were a great team um, and, you know, battle tested and, and found a way and dug deep to, to prevail there. And then we played Burlington and they were the eight seed, but they're not an eight seed. They they were phenomenal. Like that's an NLL level defense, big, strong, fast, physical, right? And and they you know we we went to the brink against them and 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 prevailed, right? So I just feel we're battle tested, right? This two weeks, I think it's good for us. You know, we're we're getting healthy um, and we're continuing to prepare and practice um, for you know our upcoming opponents who are also super strong. So. Um, you know, I think our best is yet to come, and, and we've got, uh, you know, a week and a bit here to, uh, to to get the job done. I think a lot of people will ask about the rest versus rust. How did you feel knowing that you guys were going to have two and a half, three weeks off before the Minto actually started? Yeah, you know, just talking to different people in the game, you know, talking to our players, you know, discussing as a staff. I think it's critical that you continue to practice, right? We've got three guys away. Um, so obviously they're, they're, they're active every day. Um, and, and we had, you know, a good amount of runs. We've still got a couple left here. But um, to be honest, I think a lot of it is, is independent work too, right? Like, and it's those simple things of, of getting sleep, right? Recovering your body, right getting a couple lifts and getting your touches and going to shoot right and it's all it's like anything if you want to be a great lacrosse player like you know you want to play in the nll there's not a whole lot of organized stuff right so it's what are you going to do right film right drinking water like all these little things that everyone knows that's what it comes down to so you'll, you'll find out i think pretty quickly what teams you know are truly all in and, and were committed by that extra independent work they did in kind of this off time when people talk about the Toronto beaches this year, you know, first name gets brought up Anderson Collison, the offense, but Will Johnston and that defense certainly is something that goes under the radar before we get into Johnston, the defense. And I know you don't want to pump up mags and, and Damos tires too much, but the transition offense and the way that they play up tempo is absolutely relentless. Do you think that is going to be something that's sustainable uh, in a short high intensity type of tournament where you're playing every single day? I think so. You know, I think so. I think a lot of it's mental toughness too. Um, right. And, and this is the middle cup. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, and uh, 
yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about that Whippy series as much. I think uh, we weren't our best. Um, that's for sure. But um, yeah, I think we've got, again, obviously great systems in place and structure led by Mags and Damo. Um, but we've got, I, th- I feel the horses, the guys to do it. I can't speak highly enough of Jackson Raposo, um, the way he's led our group, um, along with the Accioni brothers and, and Dylan Robinson and Josh Ferry and, and the list goes on and on. But, um, I, I think, you know, it, it's just, uh, like you said, that key word relentless, right. And, uh, having that motor, to to be aggressive have that go for it mindset so um i I think you know it's more of the personnel right and and that's how we're gonna win i think is you know your best player's got to lead and and uh find a way to kind of just dig deep and get the job done going to will johnston now and you had an opportunity to see him as a young promising goaltender to now a guy that's considered not only just one of the best goalies in this league up for the goaltender of the year award but also a, a practice roster goalie in the National Lacrosse League. Where have you seen his his growth go in his game? You know, with Will, I mean, it's been the same approach. He's just, he loves the game and he wants to get better. So he's just, he's the kind of kid that wants shots. You want to be get better as a goalie, take shots, right? He's always looking for shots. He's always asking subtle questions, right? The small, he's, he's very detail-oriented. Right. How can he's very good, but how can he make subtle, small incremental gains? He's always looking for ways with film or or whatnot. So um, I just think his the way he is, the way he carries himself, you know, as a teammate, he's someone the guys want to play in front of. He's humble. And, um, you know, he's again, I've said it a million times. He's he's our backbone. Um, How is sort of scouting gone? Because there's not a lot of true film for the Western teams with their games being on pay-per-view and stuff like that. So how do you scout the other teams from, from Edmonton and Victoria? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but I think lacrosse is such a small community. I think lacrosse is a really small community and it's great to have connections and relationships across the province. So um, that, that's our big thing, right? I think as a coach, you know, and still playing in the NLL, it's, it's a tough balance. You know, I'm trying to figure it out still myself, but um, as a coach, you don't really have as much control in the game, right? So one thing we can control is preparation. And, you know, we spent a lot, a lot of time as a staff um, preparing. And um, Victoria, you know, the minors, um, phenomenal teams, phenomenal seasons. So, you know, we've got, you know, kind of focused right now, 5 p.m. Uh, Monday for, for Victoria um, and the test they're going to bring. So, um, again, we just got to get the guys as prepared as possible, and, and we're excited for that opportunity. I know you said you don't really want to talk about the Whippy series, but I've got to ask it. How special was it, you know, going up against your dad in that arena that you played so many games uh, against your program that you played junior with? I know, obviously, not the outcome you wanted, but it had to have been pretty surreal standing up on that bench on the opposing side uh, uh, in a building that's so special to you. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I owe Whippy Junior, Whippy Minor, um, everything. That, that's where I grew up. That's my home. That's where my best friends are from. Um, I've got, and, and you look at their organization, I don't know if they've ever missed the playoffs, right? Just, uh, you know, a successful organization culture, right? Obviously Willie, but, um, I know I'm very biased, but, um, it means a lot. It's pretty emotional, you know, just with my dad, he's obviously my biggest role model and, um, 
the the GM job is kind of thankless, and I'm seeing that more and more. The amount of work and effort and time that goes into it, um, and he's been you know a rock there for geez, almost 15 years now. So um, it is pretty, you know, Whippy's a heck of a team. And, and obviously they took it to us there in the Ontario finals. But um, I'm I'm really excited. You know, it's kind of a cool family moment, to be honest, and, you know, focused on winning. And that's the goal. But um, just to kind of be in this process and have my father there alongside for the journey, I mean, it's pretty, pretty special. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I'm trying to kind of milk that in as well, all well, you know, trying to get the job done. That's, you know, our focus, but, um, it's, it's really cool. And, and I just look up to my dad so much and, and, uh, yeah, just a neat, neat experience. He um, might've won. How bragging rights go? <laughs> The, the 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 big discussion is is who's my mom cheering for and, uh, <laughs> and I uh, I think I, I'm hoping I think she'll be uh, showing beaches blue um, on uh, on next Wednesday night when we play Whippy but uh, now it's 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 so cool and, and it's it's been a lot of fun. How to get one of those half jerseys, half, half <laughs> Warriors, half Beaches, like uh, Brady Quinn's sister rocked back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right, this is awesome, man. I appreciate you. Um, an incredible year for you in the beaches. Uh, much success in the Minto Cup starting against Victoria. And hopefully uh, maybe you guys will be champions of Canada in a few more days. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate all you guys do. To the Rocky Mountain League we go and John Lynch, the head coach of the Miners. Lynch, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Just uh, busy preparing for obviously uh, next week's Minto and uh, lots going on with our senior team. We're in President's Cup the week after too, so busy time to be a lacrosse guy in uh, in Edmonton. I, I want to focus on that Edmonton part because, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time it's been a non-Calgary or Okotoks team since like 2009 that's representing the RML. How important is that for the competition level, the diversity, the parity, but more importantly for Edmonton kids to see that they have a shot to go to a Minto Cup. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's been a long time coming for us. And I think coming into the junior A division, a, a hard part of uh, coaching, and I partner with uh, Richard Lachlan as a coach, and the, one of the hardest things when we came into the division was just trying to sell kids on junior A lacrosse, you know, just the, the level. Uh, we had a lot of kids that would rather play junior B, rather try to go win a Founders and that sort of thing. And there wasn't a lot of pride in, in Edmonton lacrosse. And so we worked really hard on kind of restoring the idea that, you know, we could be competitive at a national level, at the junior A level, and still have success in junior B and kind of working towards that. And so, you know, now we have a group of third, fourth, and fifth years who are part of those back-to-back -back, um, Alberta midget teams that, that went and beat Ontario and won a couple back-to-back -back goals. And so they know they can win at a national level. And, uh, and that's the group we're working with. So we have an extremely talented bunch. But that belief piece was, uh, was huge right from the beginning. Of course, usually, you know, when, when, a, when an Alberta team comes into this, they're always immediately right away uh, deemed the underdog or the team that's expected to finish last. Uh, but this team here, obviously, you guys have a ton of belief. So in, in maybe one or two words, how would you describe your team uh, coming into this tournament? I think uh, athletic. I think we have an extremely athletic team, and I think we have an extremely deep team. I think, um, you know, in talking to my team, uh, preparing for this, I think we have an understanding that maybe we don't have like a 
a Patrick Dodds or a Brock Haley on our team or, a, uh, you know, a Willem, Willem Firth. Um, but I think we're as deep as, and as athletic as any team that's in this tournament. And so, uh, you know, our belief is in our, in our depth and in our systems. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we take a lot of confidence out of that. Matthew Goche is your leading scorer. Obviously, you know, outside of Alberta, maybe people don't know much about him. But what can you tell us uh, about the guy that's leading your team out the front door? Yeah, I mean, in Matthew Goche, you're going to see pretty well a polar opposite player than the three that I just described, where they're kind of ball dominant uh, outside shooters. Matthew Goche plays in the middle of the floor and loves contact is basically his game. He's a he's like a banger, a pick setter. He's going to be dominant in loose balls. Uh, super tough kid, like uh, plays junior A hockey and was like, kind of like a, a grinder fighter in that league. Um, and I think he's he's planning to pro- uh, declare for the draft this year too. So definitely a guy to watch and uh, uh, a talented player, like great hands around the net and just uh, he's been a leader for us and a workhorse all season long. You've been super vocal uh just talking about how underutilized the RMLL is when it comes to these guys getting drafted. We're seeing more, we're seeing guys thrive when they get there, but still uh, it seems like there's just not enough eyes getting on these players. How important is it now that they're going to be here on the national stage and everyone's going to be able to see their talent and their athleticism? Yeah, and so we have, a, I mean, Matthew is a good example of that. And then we have another a defender named Ronan Push who have come to me a couple times this year and asked me, you know, sh- should we declare for the NLL draft? I'm interested in, in getting my name out there. And I kind of told both of them the same thing. I said, wait and see until, uh, you know, if we get to a Minto. If we get to a Minto, then you get that exposure and then there's going to be eyes on you. And it's it's uh, worth it to put your name in the mix and, and try to go from there. Um, but definitely, I think, you know, in being an NLL player myself, I played for a long time with... Uh, a lot of guys from Calgary and not not a ton from Edmonton. So um, having an Edmonton team at that level, I think, is huge. I think our league is taking steps forward. We finally got a streaming platform that was consistent and a good product. I think we need to get to the point. I guess the next step is trying to get a, a major sponsor so that we can get the broadcast free like Ontario. But, you know, we're, we're taking steps in the right direction. I, I think it's coming. Um, so we're just going to keep working at it. You mentioned, you know, not playing with a lot of guys from Edmonton when you were playing or is this mostly an Edmonton team that you guys have right now? Yeah, pretty well. All these kids were Edmonton growing up. We've made a couple deals um, for a couple guys from BC, uh, JLL. So our fifth year uh, goalie is Keegan Milanichuk. Um, but yeah, it's mostly an Edmonton based team. Um, and, uh, and guys that have come up through the system. In fact, it's a lot of guys that played for the same minor program, which was not the one I grew up playing for, but the, uh, the West end uh, team here. Um, that grew up playing under Jamie Bowen, who's a who's a name that you know uh, people that have been around the WLA and NLL will have known for a long time. So he's our team manager, but he grew up coaching a, a large portion of these kids as well. Yeah, he was a member of the inaugural Edmonton Rush team with me, so he's been in that area for quite some time. When you look at the RML, you talk about you know outside there's still got some things to work on but inside the box on the floor the competition is as good as it gets where do these kids continually get that drive from is it still a place of oh everyone thinks we're third tier kind of thing we're behind alberta or ontario we're behind bc they just have a hunger to be better each and every year we see them at the mental cup yeah and so i mean 
for me as a coach, I mean, my, my job is in development and trying to get these kids to places where they want to go. And so part of that is a lot of our guys want to go play NCAA in the States. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Like uh, we've got uh, Jack Royer, who's a third year right-handed old guy on our team. And he, and you guys will get, have the chance to watch him next week. An unbelievable talent, controls the ball, scores from anywhere. And, I, you know, he was trying to get recruited to go play NCAA. And I was having co conversations with these, like, like Division II coaches where they're going like, ah, I don't know if he's going to make our roster. I don't know if he's going to play here. Do we really need a guy like that? Do you have any more film? And, and I just remember thinking, like, if this kid was from southern Ontario or southern BC, he'd, he'd have Division I schools knocking on his door. And, uh, and so there definitely is a little bit of a chip on our shoulder up here, right? Because we feel like we're, we're kind of uh, uh, looked at second uh, when it comes to recruiting and things like that. So, I mean, that's been our push all along. We, we kind of opened up the discussion with that, with, with that, bringing that pride back to Edmonton lacrosse. And I, I want coaches in field lacrosse and box lacrosse at the NLL level to, to actively come look at Edmonton kids because they know um, that we have a good product up here. You, you mentioned a couple of standouts on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, big, big defensive fan uh, myself. I always like finding those grit grinders. Maybe is there one or two guys that might jump off of the screen when they're watching the Minto Cup that they should be keeping their eyes on at the back door? Yeah, the the first name you won't have to look hard for him is our captain, Bennett Smith, who's who's got like NLL, beyond NLL athleticism. And you'll notice him right away. Like, you know, he's the fastest, strongest player on the floor, involved in everything, um, and can score in transition, is a great defender. Uh, so that would be one. And then we have another fifth year named Charlie McFadden, who's uh, he actually uh, attacking field lacrosse, but he's uh, uh, just a, a solid, patient with the ball, calm. We play him in every situation as well. So uh, he's our assistant captain. So those two guys, yeah, you'll notice right away, but, but definitely. Um, uh, they have a few more years of NCAA eligibility, I believe, but there'll be guys that'll, that'll be looked at as uh, NLL talents down the road for sure. When you look at the other three teams and then you put your roster next to them, how do you guys stack up? Yeah, and I think that as I kind of alluded to this in the previous question, but, you know, I think the top two or three old guys on other teams, we don't have that guy in terms of like a NLL ready can step in and play at that level. Um, but I do think, like, uh, in my eyes, in the, in the video we've watched, we've got the deepest defense there, and our offense from top to bottom um, can score the ball. And so, you know, provided we get some consistent goaltending, and, uh, and the thing that you're always battling as an Alberta coach is, is kind of the mental aspect. So we're going to work on that over the next week here in terms of making sure that our athletes believe they can win at that level. If we can do that, there's nothing on film that's, that suggests to me that we can't, can't go make some noise at this Minto. Do you think that could maybe be almost an advantage that this is your first time? You don't know what to expect as, you know, some of these other teams that are here year after year that haven't been able to get it done. They have that mental roadblock. Yeah, I think there's part of that. I mean, I'm always a big believer that and kind of my past in lacrosse has kind of given me the belief that you kind of have to go through the wars to kind of learn how to win them. Like I was a guy earlier in my career that lost an NLL final. I lost a couple man cups. I lost a BC final. Um, before the, those generations of teams kind of learned how to win. Um, so I, I do think there's something to like experiencing it to try to go through it. But I mean, our group all, from the second we kind of met with them early in the 
um, spring said like our goal is to win a, a Minto Cup. So we have a group of fourth and fifth years who very much believes that they belong there and very much believes they compete, can compete at the level. So It is going to be an awesome, awesome experience for everybody. Uh, it gets going next week. You guys start off with Whitby uh, in your first game. We'll all be watching. Linzer, appreciate your time as always, my man. Best of luck to you in the minors. Enjoy the experience. And uh, hopefully next time we talk to you, you could be uh, going to the President's Cup with another title in your back pocket. <laughs> Thanks so much for the conversation, fellas. I appreciate it. Back to the Ontario League we go, and Sean Williams, head coach of the Whippy Warriors, joined us. Willie, how are you? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a team that when people look at, they see one name at the very, very top, and that is Brock Haley. Um, you've been around the game for quite some time. Has anyone impressed you as much as he has this year? Well, you know, from a goal-scoring standpoint, uh, not in a long time. You know, uh, he uh, he has a very good, very good knack, and he's uh, you know he's put the ball in at a over a hundred times this year. He uh, he definitely likes scoring goals, um, but you know. But in saying that, uh, you know, he's complimented by lots of good O, and uh, you know, across on the other side, uh, you know, our our warrior on that side, our captain Adam Patra, right? So uh, yeah, it's just I think it's just a. Uh, a little bit of everything, and uh, obviously, um, you know, those guys share the ball, and everybody shares the ball, and just Brock's been uh, lucky enough to put it in the end a lot more times. It's pretty pretty crazy that a guy can score 74 goals in the regular season, over 100 total, and there's another guy that's on the floor that's more important that's not a goalie, and you mentioned Patra. Maybe for some of the folks that haven't turned into any of these warriors games just just talk about what he brings to the game besides his playmaking and his goal scoring ability no it's just his, his his lacrosse iq is through the roof um you know we put him in every every single situation uh throughout a game uh defense offense last minute d last minute o, or you know last minute o shorthanded uh face offs when we, when we need a ground ball loose ball you know he's our guy um you know he's just a leader by example and uh he's just willing to do whatever it takes in any facet to to do well for his team and to to help us uh you know give us a chance for a win what did you learn about your group as this year went on uh to be honest with you uh you know i knew our leadership um I, I knew we had good leadership. You know, I've gotten, uh, I've had the pleasure of coaching these old ones since, you know, some of them since they're like 10 years old. So he, he knew that was there. Um, the, the biggest factor was uh, some of the young guys that came in, um, you know, like the Owen Tapper, Gabriel Sarchetti, you know, Jack Oldman, you know, uh, Lucas Littlejohn, all these rookies that came in and uh, had a huge impact on our team. It was uh, awesome to see. You just, you never know coming out of camp, especially when, you know, you don't have a lot of veteran guys there. And uh, you knew there was something there that these guys were, you know, going to be good players, but you didn't know what kind of impact they would be able to have at the junior A level. And uh, they've been remarkable for us. And I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a few guys, but those four definitely came off the top of my head. The name Lucas Littlejohn obviously jumps off the page, one, because it's a great name, but two, he's <laughs> the guy that if you've been following your team throughout the playoffs especially, he is just a prototypical playoff player, it seems. And he came up huge in that Orangeville series. He was great against the beaches. And you know he's going to have one or two big moments in the Minto Cup. And this is a kid that 
has already been to a national championship this year in hockey. So, you know, he's a great athlete, but what kind of makes him special uh, on this team? Yeah. The biggest thing was, uh, you know, the role he, we asked him to take uh, for most of the year. And that was out of the, out of the back door. You know, we were blessed with having, uh, you know, as other teams, uh, we had a big right side and, uh, you know, we knew that we didn't want him out of the lineup and, uh, you know, we just, uh, we asked him, I said, you know, it's just, this is where we, we see you and you're, you know, you can, uh, you know how to play defense and it's just, you're tough. He's a tough kid, obviously. And it's just, uh, and then his, his speed and athleticism. So being able to, you know, play good D transition the ball up and stay and play a good. Oh, and now, you know, lately he's been playing more, uh, more O for us and then training him back on D, but, uh, having guys that like that, that are able to play both ends is, uh, absolutely, um, huge, huge for the game and huge the way we play. When, when you look across the other three teams, uh, how do you guys match up? Uh, honestly, I, it's, it's hard to tell. Obviously, you know, the, the beaches and us have had, uh, you know, four, four outstanding games. Um, uh, you know, everyone plays fast, um, got, you know, you got good goaltending, good D guys got to put the ball in it and, uh, lots of pressure. Um, you know, uh, watching a lot, a lot of film it's, you know, you know it's hard to judge, you know, Victoria's obviously got the, the big three on the right side that are very talented and, uh, you always have big guys and, uh, you know, everyone's well, you know, even, it, you know, you look at Edmonton too, it's like, everyone's well coached. Everyone's got guys that can put the ball in that, you know, it's just, uh, it's like, it's let's go time, you know, uh, I don't have definitely don't have any predictions. You, uh, you got that definitely. It's a huge nerve uh, nervousness going into these games with the with the unknown and just watching film and not getting a, a live shot or actually played them before. But that's part of the part of the uh, allure of this tournament. It's uh, you know we're just so excited that uh, for the opportunity and uh, you know we, we've been really just focusing on uh, taking care of uh, w- what we're good at and uh, obviously we're going to make uh, some adjustments as we go with the the guys we're playing. But I think. Uh, uh, our biggest focus again, like, you know, lots of people say this, but it is, it is really focusing on what we do well and uh, sticking to that. It would be the first Minto cup since 2013, which, you know, for, for most programs, they would take it, but for the whippy warriors, it probably feels like it's been an eternity. Um, but some of these guys are, you know, were probably there when the Minto cup was last hosted in Whitby and they've seen this and they, they've been coached by guys that have won uh, the Minto cup. So do you feel like they know how special and how big of an opportunity that they have here? Absolutely. You know, it's um, you know, the last few years we we're, we we're kind of built building for this opportunity. And obviously with COVID we kind of miss a little bit of the boat, but uh, lucky enough that we got this lacrosse back on and the, and the, you know, the old ones that are still, you know, been around, um, you know, we, we've always talked about the opportunity and, and, and the special place that uh, Iroquois Park is. And they were I'm so happy for the boys that they got to experience what, you know, real playoff kind of crowds are, are like when uh, when you kind of get into the especially when you get into that second round of uh, Ontario playoffs and especially the final what a place that is to, to play in. And, uh, uh, you know, again, we we're just so happy for the opportunity that they got to, 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 to have that and enjoy that. And then hopefully that now carries on and, you know, we'll get a couple bus loads from Whippy heading up to Brampton to, to cheer on their cheer on the fellas. You're in a, in a bit of a unique situation as a GM head coach uh, of Las Vegas as well. Do you, how much are you using this as a bit of a scouting opportunity leading up to the NLL draft? Oh, absolutely. I think every, you know, there's so many guys that are involved with, uh, 
with coaching and it's, you know, that are on, you know, different coaching staffs and or players. Right. So everybody, everybody takes advantage of the fact that uh, you see guys up close and in, in person a lot. And, uh, absolutely. I'd be lying if you're, you're not, uh, you're definitely not, you know, as you're trying to beat a team, but you're also, you know, picking off guys that you would love to have on your team and, and possibly draft or pick up. Right. For sure. I asked, um, Riley O'Connor, the same question. Uh, rest versus rust. Did the, is the three any week break good for you guys? Uh, very good. Very good. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it, that was a big question even going into the Ontario final. We had a, I don't know, like, like every team would at that point of the season. We had a lot of guys that were, you know, I would, you know, more so not banged up, but injured. And uh, mm. <laughs> everyone still played through it and we got through it. So I think it's definitely, definitely good for the fellows. Um, you know, then it's, it's that time of year with, guys heading back to school to, to, to check in. And then obviously a few, few teams have guys in, in, in Ireland. And so I think it uh, ultimately it was good. And, you know, we practiced a couple of times last week. We've had our, you know, we're on our second practice this week. Uh, and I, I was kind of, uh, had that kind of like, okay, how are we feeling after coming off such a high? And I, I'm not lying. Like we walked in that room and it was buzzing right away. Um, <laughs> it was, there was no like, Hey fellas, let's pick this up. It was like attack mode. As soon as we hit the floor the first time, um, it, it was amazing. So, you know, and that's, that's a credit to that, to that leadership group for sure. Willie appreciate you as always, my man. Uh, best of luck. You guys open up things against Edmonton. Uh, and hopefully next time we talk to you, you could be a Minto Cup champion as we uh, work towards that NLL draft, man. Congratulations. There you go. Best of luck. I appreciate it. I'm sure you said that to everybody, but I'll still appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Awesome. See you, Willie. See you, buddy. The final team of the four in the Minto Cup for the Victoria Shamrocks joining us, uh, associate coach Mike Pyers, uh, all the way from Victoria. You guys have been without DeChico, Manning, and Wilson for the last part of the playoffs of that Langley series, especially. How impressed were you with how the next man up mentality echoed through your group? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think, uh, well, obviously it was a credit to our depth and just how hard our guys work. Um, you know, obviously goes without saying that's uh, three big guys to lose. Um, However, you know, we had guys step up when needed to, you know, we had guys playing out of position, guys who hadn't played in a while. They kept, uh, you know, they came right in in our confidence, you know, um, and as well as our leadership, um, Patrick Dodds stepped up big on the offensive end, um, as well as, you know, Mitchell Sandberg's a newcomer for us, but he really um, not only performed uh, on the floor, but off the floor as well. He, uh, his leadership was invaluable to us and uh, getting through that, uh, that very tough Langley series. You mentioned Patrick Dodd's name and and obviously everyone's going to have that name circled on their program when watching the Minto Cup and they know what he did in the National Lacrosse League level but what is it besides you know his playmaking ability and his goal scoring that makes him such a special talent? I think his attitude and his humbleness um are huge. Um you know obviously he's coming off one of the best rookie seasons the NLL seen in a long time. Um and he's showing up to practice with his Shamrocks gloves on and his beat up Shamrocks helmet. Um, and his, he, you know, he was voted our most popular player by his peers. Um, you know, he's, he's just that guy who, you know, guys gravitate towards and just a genuinely great attitude and great kid where, you know, when adding that and the hard work with the, the you know, the obvious talent, um, 
that just kind of takes him to that next level. And obviously, you know, he's been getting a lot of attention all year. So he's learning how to adjust with that. Um, and, uh, you know, he stepped up big time when we needed him to. The, the leadership you mentioned of Dodzy and Mitch has been unbelievable. But I think the play of Denton McDonald over the last month, month and a half, has just been outstanding. He has to be the, one of the best two-way players in the entire country. How special is it or how important is it to have a versatile guy that can pretty much be slotted into any situation on the floor at any given time and you know you can trust him in that situation? Yeah, it's uh, he's been he's had a terrific year for us. Obviously, you know, at the start of the year we needed him playing up the front, and uh, you know, it's not every day where a guy up there in league points says, "I want to go back on D because that's where I'm going to help the team the most." Um, you know, Langley had a lot of strong righties, and uh, and Danton was huge. Um, you know, he's just all over the floor. Um, he does exactly what. He's asked, he plays a ton, um, and he, he's, he's a huge part of this team. Um, he's recently voted co-MVP of our, our team, uh, along with Patrick. Um, so, yeah, Denton's, Denton's leadership, just and just that unselfishness of, I'll do whatever you guys need. And uh, that, that, you know, that echoes across the room when, when guys see a guy of that skill level, um, you know, make those kind of decisions guys having to step up in the absence of some of these guys that were away, you know, are still away with, with team Canada. Um, the name that hasn't been brought up, but certainly I know has gotten his fair praise and he should is Adam Bland. It seems like we've been talking about him as a promising goaltender for a long time. Uh, but now this has kind of been like his moment where he has stepped up and he has arrived on scene. What have you seen from his game uh, from the start of the regular season to now in the postseason? Um, yeah, no doubt. Um, Adam's been outstanding for us. And uh, I think the biggest thing, um, he he kind of had a bit of a coming out party um, in the playoffs where um, he made timely, timely saves, you know, every game. And his uh, his maturity, I think, um, just the, the whole, you're going to get scored on at lacrosse. And just being able to regroup and refocus and not let it get to him has allowed him to get to this next level. And he's, he's you know, um, he's got all the talent in the world. And he, he's uh, just, as the course of the season, as this has been his first true season, uh, starting in junior A, um, you know, it's, uh, he's, he's been terrific all year, really. I think it's probably the first time since maybe when you went to the Minto, um, that it's just been Victoria, no other BC teams going. Um, and it's been a long time since Victoria has won the BC League. Um, how special has this year been for you guys? I know it's not done yet, but as an organization and as a foundation for future players, how special has this year been? I think uh, when when you kind of take it back and look at it from afar, it's it's a it's a tremendous accomplishment that doesn't happen around here all that frequently. Like the last time, like you said, was in two thousand eight. Um, however, we've had loftier goals all season. So I think when all said and done, we will look back and because it, it has been a tremendous accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But our goal from day one has been to make it to Brampton, 
And obviously that's what winning BC is kind of, you know, a step along the way. So it's special to us for sure. And we don't take that for granted. Um, and, and the road wasn't easy. We, we faced some quality, quality teams that give us everything we could handle. Um, but uh, yeah, we're definitely proud of it for sure. Because you, like I said, it doesn't happen every day. And as, you know, future generations come up, we have a strong tier one and midget feeder program that hopefully it's something we can build on moving forward. When, when watching some film on these other teams in the Minto and doing your scouting reports, how do you guys feel like you stack up against the competition? Well, obviously, like we know, we, we're, we're fortunate to have been there in 2019 and we know it's going to be every game is tight and every single team is um, going to get like they, everyone's there for a reason. And it's it's the best of the best at this point. So I think, you know, we're coming in with the we need to play our game and we need to play well and we're going to come in hungry um, and that's the expectation we're going to receive from the other teams as well. Like, uh, so we're confident in our group. However, we know what is coming up. So we, uh, I think, you know, we, we're going to go in there and work hard. I can promise you that. And we'll see those, let the chips fall where they may. But, uh, but we know that we got three real tough games in three days. So uh, we're just going to prepare as best we can for that and uh, see what happens. You guys start the tournament off against the beaches. Patty and I will be going head-to-head as fans cheering for our favorite club. Uh, Mikey, I <laughs> appreciate you. This has been uh, uh, an awesome, awesome experience watching you guys get this far. I know the job's not done, but appreciate you coming on. Give us some time. Best of luck, and uh, we'll chat too, my man. Awesome. Thank you, guys, and thank you guys for all you guys do for the sport. Take care. All right, that's all four Minto Cup coaches. Uh, as we look at it on paper, Pat, who's your favorite? Well, you th- you threw me under the bus by saying that my favorite team was the beach to, well, <laughs> to Mike. No, here's the thing. It is – Am I lying? It, just because I have some ex-players on the team does not mean it's my favorite team, Okay. Would I be happy if they won? Absolutely. But I'm going to to keep my uh, broadcast integrity and say that You're I just want worst. all teams to have fun. Are you uh, calling yeah. games? I'll be doing yes. I'll be doing the, the doing some games at, at the Minto with. Okay, uh, then then that's why you have to keep your integrity. Exactly. So more details on the stream will be coming out. But uh, yes, uh, super excited for for the tournament. So honestly, though, it it will, you know, it will be special to see some of these guys that I've coached. Like, if you look at that roster, it's more than half the team, whether it was through the Junior B Ironheads program or coaching yeah. last year um, in that junior uh, futures division um in the oakville bubble but uh they're a team that's super fun to watch they're fast and furious willem firth great goaltender and in, in uh will johnson whitby again electric offense i think the big question mark is their goaltending uh was kind of flip-flop throughout the entire playoffs which goalie is going to step up and i'm super excited to see these other two teams uh you know from edmonton and from Victoria up close and personal, because from the film that I've watched and some of the, the live streams that I've watched, um, these these are these are good teams, and I think this might be 
maybe a year where we're we're going to see a lot of parity. Like it's not going to yeah. be one or two teams just run away with it. Yeah, well, I will firmly plant my allegiance with the green clovers from Victoria. Um, and just, you know, kind of like you, there are like maybe five to seven guys on this Victoria team that I've coached since they were in Pee Wee. So it is awesome to see them getting the shot at the Minto. It's awesome to see some of these guys getting into the NLL. And that is the ultimate, right? As a coach, to see your guys, especially ones you've coached since they were little kids, to continue preaching the right message and to keep them on the right path and to see them get to this moment, to see them have their names called in the NLL. That's what it's all about as coaches. It's the best. It's the absolute best. And even, you know, when you were going through some of those names in free agency, Mike Byrne, you you mentioned him with the Firewolves. He's a guy that, you know, never really played any box lacrosse, was a great field lacrosse player in high school at St. Mike's. And, you know, a couple of his buddies said, like, you give give box lacrosse a, 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 a shot. And he's like, okay, sure. Went out to the beaches tryout. They're like, we don't have a spot for him. And I, I was there helping doing some valuation that said, if you don't have a spot for him, I have a spot for him on our team. I want that <laughs> kid. He's got a lot of raw talent. Um, and, you know, try to coach him up as much as I could. And I don't even want to take any credit because he's a guy that just worked, worked so hard. And I yeah. think – he is a perfect example of, of a guy that realized, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't make junior A this year, but I get an opportunity to play some b-ball. You'll get a lot of floor time, learn, and then move up. There's just too many young kids, and it's not their fault. Maybe it's just ingrained that you know junior A, or even when you look at the field across game D one, you well, know that's you what have Lynch to play. Talking about, right? Yeah. You have to play at the highest level. No, you don't. You really do not. Um, if there's an opportunity to play, there's always an opportunity to move up. And, and you know, the Alberta is the perfect example that, you know, this that this team, I, I can't wait to watch them because yeah. they're a team that he's done such a great job with this group. And it just, they have such a sense of pride that they're the, they're Albert, they're not Alberta, they're Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and yeah, yeah, they're representing their province, but they're representing their city. And I love that. I know. I think, you know, in Ontario, junior B has always been strong and, you know, the amount of talent that's come out of junior B in Ontario, just for the sheer numbers of players that are out there. Um, is understandable why people still see Junior B as, as a good path to get into the Junior A. In in Ontario, or sorry, in Alberta and in BC, the nomenclature of playing B-ball was that it was the jungle, right? It was washed up guys or guys all they wanted to do was fight. We need to get that mentality out because that mm-hmm. is not a good mentality because Junior B is incredible across for the sake of a guy like Mike Byrne, you know, or it, for our team, you know, you look at a guy you're like, oh, the junior A's can't find a spot for Evan Law. Do you want him? We're like, yeah, we'll take him every day of the week twice on Sunday, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you can't find a fit for that guy who is going to put up 60, 70 points. We'll take him. So if kids have that right mentality of, okay, hey, this is just another opportunity for me to play great lacrosse and keep moving on in my career, that shows that they want to be there. The kids that, you know, you're easily – and you know can make a decision to move on from are the ones like ah you know i don't think i want to play junior b it's junior a or bust for me well okay that's an easy decision for us we can move on from you but it's Mm -hmm. those ones that just want to keep playing and 
Um, it's amazing to see. So yeah, Founders Cup is incredible across. If you can watch it, tune in. And of course, the Minto Cup next week in Brampton, if you can watch it, tune in. Because it is the not only the future of our sport, but these kids are damn, damn good. And there's already a few NLLers you know, in this Minto. There's going to be even more uh, future NLLers in this Minto. So uh, congratulations to all the representatives and best of luck to all four teams in the Minto Cup. Down south, the Premier Lacrosse League continues on. They are almost sort of solidified in their playoff groups. The cannons are pretty much out. The Aus need a miracle. But we're going to focus on miracles of our own and try to win you some money. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, last week we didn't do so well. We uh, went one for three. The only one we got was Chrome Moneyline. Uh, the dogs lost. Uh, Chaos Archers was under. And so we're going to try to bounce back this week, right? We're, we're refocused, reset. We're you know what? This we're, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be fully transparent. Kind of been driving the bus a, a little bit when it comes to these picks the last couple of weeks, and they've, they've just not been great. So I decided to hand the keys over to you. You built the parlay. I did. And you love swinging it for the fences. And I, you know I do. I don't, I don't and here's the thing you swing for the fences and if you lose whatever it's fine when i build these parlays that the odds aren't good and we still lose i feel like a double loser so right. if we're gonna swing for the fences let's really swing for the fences and you did here and we're gonna lay it out to you chaos yeah. money line. chaos money line which you know what it's, it's- it's gotta, it's gotta pay off. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, they don't really just, like to beat the Atlas, but I was gonna say we we continue and uh, to add chaos to our parlays, and they keep letting us down. If they don't win this week, we're suspending them from the parlay. Okay, deal. Can we do that? Yeah, deal. We can. Do okay. That. It's like Krusty the Clown though when he when he bet on the Washington <laughs> Wizards against the Harlem. I thought they were due. <laughs> So good. Um, the next Chrome minus one and a half against the Redwoods. The Redwoods stink. The Chrome are a wagon. I love that pick there, Teddy. Then this one again, I love this, which might be bad that I like it. Oh. Cannons, whip snakes under 24 and a half. Because when you think of the cannons, they can't defend, they have great mm-hmm. offense. Whip stinks a little you know, a great offense, but I don't know this one to me, 24 and a half is, is high. high. That's high. high. And, and, and the whip snakes defense is stingy. They've got great goaltending. I like this. I like this a lot. You put those together plus 1000 baby. Oh, how can you not sprinkle a little bit on that? You'd have to, you'd be crazy not to. You would be crazy not to. Um, Coolbet.com is where it's at. You can bet on all of the Premier Lacrosse League. You can get involved 
in so many other sports if you're a baseball guy bmw championships world juniors are still going on even get involved in the epl stay away from manchester united please we are terrible i don't want to even think about putting money on them or even putting money against them but again if you want to get involved do some sprinkling coolbet.com is where it is at as we always say here on box bets stay cool that responsibly. All right. Uh, that kind of wraps up the show. A couple more little things. NFL Junior gets going on the track. We talk about how great the Minto Cup is, how great the Founders is. This NLL Junior tournament is quickly becoming one of my favorite weekends of the year because you go U.S. Box Nationals to Founders to Minto, and then you get the NLL Cup. It is a heck of a way to sort of end minor lacrosse uh, in North America for the summer. And the amount of names that have come out of this tournament that are going to be future NLLers is growing year by year. Yeah. And it, the, the great thing about this too, is the fact that, you know, it's not just the Vancouver team and the Toronto team and maybe another team sprinkled here and there that are just running away with it year after year. Like, all of these teams have done just such a great job uh, of, of building up their programs. And I'll be honest, there've been a couple of times where you look, it's like, Oh, you know, new England won one year, but you looked at the roster and it's like, well, half their, their roster was actually from Ontario. Now, when you look at the rosters, it is majority of the kids are from that area or from at least yes. the state or around it, which is amazing. Like you look at the Halifax junior teams, they're almost all like homegrown Nova Scotia talent. You look That's at awesome. like you, you, you look at San Diego filled with California kids. Like mm-hmm. that is what it's all about. And yeah, I know four or five years ago, you couldn't do that because there weren't that many kids playing box lacrosse in, yeah. in Georgia or playing box lacrosse, even in, let's say, you know, Panther city it, now with them, their team, like, and, and the best part about it all is, uh, they're all together in, in one spot. They're getting coached by the best players in the world. It is, it's truly like for some of these guys, obviously maybe not, you know, the Canadian teams, but a lot of these American teams, it's their first real taste of, you know, what is to come and what the future is all about with the NLL. And that's so sweet to me. Uh, break on. Uh, we'll save the break news for a second. Um, NLL still hasn't released a official date for the NLL draft, so we still wait for that. Um, hopefully that will come out soon because we'd all like to, you know, know when that draft is going to happen. But uh, that's still to be decided. But breaking news just across my inbox, Patty. Oh, Peterborough Lakers to stream their remaining home games of the MSL final on YouTube. Oh, that's a nice little nugget yeah. there. I thought I, so I guess, is it, there was a, is there some sort of issue with your TV not being able no, to get it's in stream? partnership with the MSL, your TV and MNC podcast productions. Ah, okay. Okay. That's so awesome. Then, that's great news. Yeah, so I think maybe they were having like I think maybe they're having trouble with people outside of maybe their area that didn't get your TV. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, that's what it says in the release. It says uh, the reigning MSL final home games will be streamed via YouTube for those fans, not your TV's linear broadcast region. So there we go. Awesome. Well, I know I was able to watch, you know, in that Brooklyn series, I, I got to listen to Pete Dalladay and, and Scott Arnold on the TV. Um, you know, Rogers was picking up the year TV stream, which was amazing. Um, and then when, but unfortunately for anyone who wasn't in the Durham or in the, you know, Kawartha area that would pick up the year TV uh, feed, you weren't able to watch it, um, you know, on a stream. So this is their workaround, and I think that's perfect. Like, I watched the stream last night um, for the for game one, and mm. it was great. So now that – and I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, maybe we're not going to be able to watch the games in Peterborough. Maybe I'm going to have to drive up to Peterborough, which I still might because still playoff might. games in Peterborough are uh, – that's the best. Yeah. But yeah. And they got air conditioning out here. And, oh, it's freezing in there sometimes. That's, oh, how, I wish. that's how cold it I is. Wish. <laughs> I wish. Uh, no, so that's awesome. So shout out to the Peterborough Lakers and your TV and MNC podcast productions for getting that out because that just makes it easier uh, for everybody to watch because this is, as we said off the hop, uh, most likely going seven games. So um, stay tuned to the Peterborough Lakers YouTube channel. Uh, so what game that'll be game two will be the next game then, right? Yeah, game two will be Thursday, the usual standard Thursday night game at the Mem Center. Place will be yeah. rocking. I'm sure Six Nations will bring a lot of fans. That's that's really what it's all about when it comes to MSL. Say what you will about what a mess it has been this year and, and uh-huh. the trials and tribulations that has been going on with Ontario Lacrosse and MSL. When it comes down to it, it's in Ontario, it's best on best. And forget about the drama, go to the game, buy your tickets or watch the stream because it is awesome, awesome lacrosse and the guys on the floor deserve your support. Um, I was listening to Jake's podcast with Jamie Dowick this week um, and he was kind of just going on about, they were talking about the MSL finals and I was always just going to be two teams and all that stuff. Are the is he going to bring the Rock back to the MSL next year, or is he done with senior lacrosse and they're only going to be a senior B team? Well, my understanding was that it was just a one-year hiatus with the mm. option to, you know, potentially come back the following season. At least that was my that was my understanding. That's what I thought that it was, but. Right. The way he was speaking about it and the way that this oh, – I know they didn't win and they end up getting swept in the Senior B Finals uh, in Ontario. But the way he's been talking about it, it seems like he's all in on on the Pebbles and this Senior B mm. club. And I've heard rumblings that, you know, it is in Ontario. Maybe Prezi's at the track. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> my, my, my guess is that this one-year hiatus might be longer than one year. Yeah, it's kind of what I – that's what I thought. And this isn't inf- insider. Inf- this isn't yeah. insider information. This is just speculation off what I'm hearing, the way he was talking on the podcast, and just you know, him talking about how, how you know excited he was for this season for Senior B. It just seemed like he really, really was invested. And that's Jamie Dowick, man. He doesn't do anything yeah. half-assed. Like no. he's all in or nothing. And I think he was all in. And I, maybe, maybe this is a case. Maybe, maybe the Rock will just be a senior B program going forward. 
Wouldn't hate the idea. Because as we all know, the MSL is in shambles. So. <sighs> but still watch. Still support. Yeah, absolutely. Support. It's free on YouTube. Support it. Exactly. Well, you wouldn't believe it, Patty. Um, breaking news again. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Crowley on Instagram says goodbye to the fans whoa, whoa, of Philadelphia. Whoa. Um, let's just get the actual um, well, while you pull it up. While you wanna, pull it up, I want to get it up. wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. While you pull it up, I'll kind of explain what happened. So we he literally. Says, uh, Philly, you'll always be my second home. Thank you to my teammates, coaches, support staff, and admin for making my time with the Wings so memorable. To the loyal, loud, and proud, thank you for always having my back. Your passion for the Wings made playing in Philadelphia very special. To the next chapter, cheers. Big Cat, peace out. So? Wow. Again, (laughs) I I was – as we literally hit – stop on the record button we didn't even log out pull up our instagram and and that's the first thing that pops up so we had to we had to pop back on here and discuss this because this is we kind of saw this coming didn't we teddy but now the fact that it's happened and it's real Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a i i like the move to be honest like i actually really like the move that this is what we see more in some of the big four sports like these players saying goodbye letting the the fan base know before the move kind of comes down the pipeline, but now we're exactly, but now we're sitting on our hands because I was scrolling down that message to be like next chapter in, you know, what team Mm -hmm. we still don't know. We've heard rumblings, but we still don't know where he's going to end up. What rumblings have you heard? Well, I've heard, and it's also what we kind of speculated just based off the fact he's back West but I've heard a ha- not a handful, but I've heard three teams. I've heard Vancouver possibly a- mm-hmm. as a homecoming bolster up that offense even more. I've heard Vegas. Obviously, they are looking to have some some faces of the franchise. That would certainly yeah. be one. But the one that is ringing a little bit more, and I think it's you've heard these rumors as well, is San Diego. Yeah, which the. Uh... <laughs> They're they're going full win for Brody, I think. You know, we thought that last year with some of the moves that they made and some of the guy, you know, bringing in Dobie and bringing Greer back and and some of the drafts that they made, getting O'Keefe and bringing in LeClaire, getting Bomberry to play at the back end. Like they were, looked like they were all in last year. But I Mm -hmm. think bringing Frankie back and if they can, you know, if they can get the big cat, if they can get Curtis Dixon, who they're rumored to be going after. Um, I even heard a rumor that they were trying to get Mark Matthews, of all people. Uh, that that was one of those, what are we <laughs> oh talking <God>. about scenarios. <laughs> yeah. But that's what happens when you get to free agency. All these crazy rumors come out. But I, if they go after and get Dixon and or Crowley, one of or both, you have to think that they are in full win now mode. Dobie signs for one year. Who knows how many years he has left. But this is obviously a team that feels that they are in championship winning mode. And yes, Kevin Crowley has roots out West. Um, he's living back in Vancouver for all I know. Um, and I just, I really feel that 
it's going to be like Vegas has all the options, but I think Kevin Crowley is the guy that wants to win a championship. Yeah. Obviously like most guys and the best place right now, probably for him to fit with what's available is San Diego. Yeah. And, and I would, ex- uh, I would yeah. expect it to be possibly a one year deal as well. Like, yeah. yeah. If you're a Vancouver fan and we, you know, news comes down that, that Crowley's signed and it's a one year deal, Obviously, you can be upset, you can be angry, but don't rule out the fact that this team here in San Diego might be a super team only for one year. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep all these guys for that long. So maybe the option is him playing for one year and then he goes home. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is obviously just speculation from from my big, dumb brain. But speaking of my big, dumb brain, this offense, like – is there too many cooks in the kitchen? Is like the old adage. Only like we're talking if he, if he ends up in San Diego. Like if if this all happens, if, if Dixon yeah. goes to San Diego, if he goes to San Diego, you, now your offense is looking like Stotts, Dobes, Jackson, O'Keefe, Dunbar, Berg, LeClaire. I know Noble's not under contract anymore. I know Greer's not under contract anymore. So you got to assume yeah. they're probably gone if those guys are coming in. And then Dixon and the big cat. <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, obviously LeClaire be, or, or, or someone will rival, obviously, yeah, they will rival Buffalo's offense <laughs> if will they, they can do that. And we saw how well that offense worked with, you know, the quote unquote one ball if they can all buy into the system and if they can all buy into the process of, Hey man, we're trying to win a championship here. Check your ego at the door, put it in a bag, leave it at the curb, pick it up when the season's done. Then absolutely. Uh, you got Josh Sanderson coaching that offense, Patty Merrill running the bench. You know, I think the big question people will have is can Frank Giuliano play a full year? Can he put in, you know, 18 games plus how are many in the playoffs and be healthy, focused, and, you know, not exhausted by the time they get there. Mm-hmm. So the, it's funny because earlier in the show, we talked about, you know, when you see one guy going to a team, that usually means someone else is leaving. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And right. so Joey Rez goes to Philadelphia, be speculated. Well, that's got to mean Crowley's gone. We end up recording our show. Next thing you know, boom, Crowley announces that he's leaving Philadelphia, but we still don't know where. Curtis Dixon rejected the franchise tag, so he's obviously not staying back in Calgary, so that means he's gone. But, you know, you mentioned Vancouver. It's weird to me. And I know Evan said it in one of our chat groups or one one of the other guys said it, but you know, you have two of the biggest free agent names from the lower mainland available. And I don't know how hard Dan Richardson tried. I don't know what kind of offers he made to those guys. But as a fan of the Vancouver Warriors, you would love to see your team maybe get one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 got to assume that they tried. You, you, yeah, you certainly absolutely. hope. You Absolutely. hope if you're a Vancouver fan that they tried. And yeah, I know they're righties and the right side look great with Ball, Killen, and Dinsdale. But I mean, if you can put one of those guys, like, again, it's not like those two guys are too good 
you'd figure out a way to fit all those yeah, four right. Sure. Then you run, you run righty strong, or you know, you maybe you run eight four like eight forwards at that point. Those two guys, the fact that they're from the area, they're elite top level talent that doesn't come around too often. And the one thing that everyone, everyone always talks about is the advantage that Toronto has is that everyone's coming home. Yeah. Um, you look just for example, Smallsy, like Corey small, um, you know, he now has an opportunity to play close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, all these guys have the opportunity to play home. Well, Vancouver has had that opportunity. They just haven't pounced on it, but with yeah. this new regime, with the way that the fan base is growing, the fact that it's back downtown, this is an opportunity for them to pounce on. And for their sake, for the fan base sake, hopefully these rumors that San Diego's locking up both of them, hopefully it's not true for them. And hopefully they did land one of them. If not, mm. uh, Vancouver's got to look hard in the mirror and say, how can we get some of these free agents, these big names to come back home and play? Yeah, I think... You know, the same way you get fans in the arena is the same way you get free agents to want to come play for your team. Mm-hmm. And what's that common denominator, Patty? Butts in the seats. Winning games. Got to yes. win games with butt in the seats. You got to win games to lure free agents to your team. So, yep, that's I think, so true. I, I I think this next season is going to be a huge one. Obviously, you know, we're, we're kind of getting away from the task at hand and, and talking about the breaking news, but – um, I think for Vancouver, they have some some holes that they mm-hmm. need to really shore up. Uh, I don't know. You know, I thought Justin Getty would have been a guy they would have wanted to be targeting to kind of help shore up their goaltending situation. Um, it be interesting to see what they do. There are rumors that they're not really keen on having Steve Fryer back. So it looks like Alex Bouquet will be the guy. Brody Harris most likely be the backup. Um, or maybe it's Brody Harris's job next year and he wins it from Bouquet. Who knows? But, you know. The common denominator for Vancouver, for both getting fans in the seats and getting free agents, it's starting to win games. And yep. right now, I just don't think they can compete with the Colorados and the Saskatchewans and the San Diegos in luring those free agents. So, um, obviously, the big news, Kevin Crowley saying he's out of Philadelphia. We still don't know where he is going. Uh, stay tuned to our socials, Laxflash socials, NLL socials um, for updates as we go along. Uh, Minto Cup gets started, what, s- Monday? Monday, yes. Yeah, Monday. Monday. Founders Cup will wrap up by Sunday, so we'll have some of that to talk about, and we'll have a lot more. Uh, but don't forget, play your box bets over at coolbet.com. Follow Patty on Twitter, at pgreggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. And also, we're on the Instas, at OTCB Podcast. Thanks to Mike Pyers from Victoria, John Lynch from Edmonton, Sean Williams from Whitby, and Riley O'Connor from Toronto as we round out the Minto Cup. Enjoy the games, everybody. If you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, buy him a beer because lacrosse and beer go hand in hand. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.